Hey everybody, welcome to the Stewardship Simplified Podcast, the place where pastors, practitioners, and partners come together to talk about the realities and challenges of giving in stewardship today and what's coming up tomorrow. Hear from experts in generosity and leadership as they share their insights on best practices, trends, and resources. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Stewardship Simplified Podcast. Rick Wheeler here, and uh, we are excited to bring you this next conversation that we recorded a little while ago between Dave Lopez and our Director of Church Finance, Kurt Linhoff. And they get into a wonderful conversation about what it means to uh, emphasize stewardship in the church, not just as a way to raise money, but as part of your disciple-making conversations. And so they get really biblical and deep into that uh, pretty quick. And then they spend some time unpacking our church growth investment fund and how it helps churches finance the vision that God has given them. So a real practical conversation uh, that follows a real deep theological conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. And just a reminder that here at Stewardship Simplified, we are creating a movement of individuals and churches who are maximizing kingdom resources by following God's plan. So without a further delay, here's our conversation with Dave Lopez and Kurt Linhoff. Hey everybody, it's great to be with you. Dave Lopez here, part of the Florida Baptist Financial Services team. Thanks for joining our podcast today. Today, it's financing the vision. Our hope is to to work with pastors and church boards to learn how to help them make disciples in the areas of stewardship that help to fund the vision that God's given the church because sometimes boards and pastors have views that might go against each other instead of seeing them complement each other. So today we're going to try to navigate that. And the guy who's going to help me with that today is my man, Kurt Lenhoff. He's our Director of Church Finance here at Florida Baptist Financial Services. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Brother, it's my pleasure. Thank you for letting me spend some time with you all. Absolutely, man. Listen, before we jump into it, I think it's important that people learn a little bit more about who in the world Kurt Lenhoff is. Man, just briefly tell us a little bit about your past, your ministry experience, and how you joined us here at Florida Baptist Financial. Sure, be glad to. So my wife and I lived in the Pacific Northwest for about 24 years. Nice and and cold. It was a little chilly, more damp and dark. (laughs) Welcome to Florida, baby. Oh, it has been refreshing. Amen. Glad we're here. (laughs) We're on the bright side of the world. Yes, you is. So after 24 years up there, we came down this way two years ago. And uh, with that, we brought a history of raising a couple kids, uh, serving in ministry, having pastored a few churches, and working in the wealth management arena and banking for that season that we had been there. Very cool, man. So it sounds like you've got a little bit, or a, a fair amount of experience in ministry, in banking, and financing. I know in the past you did like wealth management as well too, right? Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, that was a no season. No names, no names. No names. You don't <laughs> want to know these secret clients. but. Got to help very wealthy, influential individuals um, in the Pacific Northwest and a few of them around the world uh, manage their resources, both for the present needs of their life, but for the long term and the legacy intentions they had. Very cool, man. I I wanted to ask about that because we're going to jump into our topic today of financing the vision. And so sometimes there's a disconnect between making disciples who are stewards of their resources and fundraising within church. Oftentimes it means going to our wealthy people and kind of hitting them up for money. So let me ask from your vantage point, what have you found to be the disconnect between fundraising and disciple making? I would say the biggest disconnect is we're not trying to get stuff out of people. 
we're trying to get the gospel in the people that releases the things that God's given them. All right. That sounds good. What does that mean, though? Give me a little bit more meat on that, because that sounds like something I would read in a cool book, and I can't argue it. I love it. I just, what does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, it, it, it means not trying to get people to fund a project because it's important, but people that have experienced grace and they want to tangibly use what they've been given so that others can have the same experience through what the money will accomplish. Okay, so there's a there's a difference then, right, between getting something from someone versus the gospel for someone. I love that, man. I think that's a huge, huge deal. Uh, the disconnect is obvious, and I think a lot of people are going, yeah, I, I've seen that, maybe I've done that, or I've been a part of that. Uh, why do you think that disconnect exists? Like, how did it get there? I think we get focused on the project and getting it accomplished and we think that the mysterious part of discipleship will happen in the background instead of putting that first and allowing what flows out of it to take care of the objective. Let me ask you, does the mystery of discipleship happen if we're not intentional in the background? Like if we cross our fingers and and throw up a prayer? That's the least amount of intentional as you can get, but um, yeah, you have to put some energy and effort into it. You have to join God in what he wants to do in illuminating people's minds to the reality of Christ and his ownership of them and everything they have and how those things together are to magnify him. So let me ask, because you, because of your, your, your spot on the bus here at Florida Baptist Financial, you've got eyes and a pulse on churches up and down the state, from the Panhandle to the north to the center to the south, even down in the Keys. Um, And you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different types of boards and leaders. Um, From your vantage point, how are you seeing pastors and churches address these things? One of the core values is that they don't just talk about money when they want it. They talk about a life obsessed with Christ, and part of that is the use of resources. Um, And that's not just happening when a project shows up. It's part of their overall rhythm of growing Christ followers, so that when a need comes along, it's not the first time people are hearing about how their money can get something done. So talking about it as part of the already baked-in formative nature of disciple-making within your church not because I have to build something. Exactly. Okay, so um, if, if I'm a pastor and I'm listening to this, that means reevaluating my teaching calendar. It means possibly reevaluating my small groups or Sunday school curriculum. What else might need a reevaluation? My hands on participation in the budget process and in the conversations with those that are part of that and how it's communicated to the church, um, not abdicating your shepherding from that arena. Okay, abdicating your shepherding from that arena. That means pastors, not just a senior pastor, but all pastors, have like a place, right? Like the generosity stewardship conversation is part of the formative nature in someone's life, and pastor has a place within that conversation. Um, so most pastors, as best as I can tell, don't necessarily have a great handle for this kind of convo. Uh, not because uh, they're naive or dumb. It's just, man, for all the formative education we received in the seminary, we weren't really equipped well in this space. So for a pastor to get comfortable 
um, to have these conversations, right? And I'm not talking about preaching on a Sunday because you can preach to a thousand people and not speak to anyone, but rather these conversations of discipleship making within the area of stewardship. If, if there's a pastor here that says, man, I agree with that. That sounds awesome, but I don't even know where to start. Um, what, what would you advise? Like what needs to happen first? So first of all, taking off the shackles of thinking you have to be a financial advisor to teach your people on how to use money gloriously and faithfully in the process. That's not the level we're talking about. It's taking them back to the roots of the fact is that we have been created to be image bearers and that plays out in how we use everything. And if you can talk to folks from that standpoint and make the gospel connection of how they get redeemed in Christ and he changes our motives and why we use things, you can speak to anybody and then you can have people that are on your staff or people that are on your board or lay individuals that are willing to come along and do the, the hard, here's the tangible expression from a financial advisement standpoint. But if you can shape the overall picture and you can help people see how a motivation for Christ changes why they do what they do and also what they do, you can have experts in the areas of application. Okay, which is where maybe Florida Baptist Financial or some of our friends might be able to come alongside a pastor and say, you don't need to know about the S&P necessarily, we got you. Exactly. All right, so let me ask you this, because I think many of the combos I've had with pastors on the ground is, I know this intellectually, and I, I've read it, I just, man, I'm terrified. I'm scared. Like, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to make anybody upset. What if people leave? Um, tell me, like, if I start to have these kinds of conversations, what are the implications of these chats, right? Like, um, what kind of conversations do need to happen and with whom and what, what might be the outcome if I do or, or when I do? Yeah, you, you may have some people that go, why are you talking to me about this stuff when you've never gotten this part of my business before? Seriously, that could happen. I think owning a, owning it and giving an apology for not being in that space and shepherding them in that way would be a great place to start. It's not that it's bad, it's that I didn't get engaged in it. I apologize that I gave you the wrong preconceived idea that that doesn't fall under discipleship. Well, that, that's a big step. I don't hear that necessarily happen a lot, right? Like, my bad. I totally neglected this one area, church, or my bad, I totally chose to not teach about it to avoid a mess or something like that, right? Yeah, just personal testimony. Hey, I didn't realize you know, the gospel's implications of my use of things, and now that I'm getting it, I, I, I don't want to neglect that in your life. Okay. So let me ask you this, because I hear us having conversations about stewardship. Um, you know, you can talk about financing the big thing, but the big thing happens because the little things happen. Really, it's a conversation about culture, um, creating culture, shaping culture, and then setting it. So how do we do that? How do we um, build, shape, and set culture, particularly from your, pers- from your perspective or your experience in the area of like church stewardship and finance? I really believe starting big picture. Um, one of the places I love to, to get big picture and then cast it is from the book of Genesis. You know, starting right off in Genesis 1, we're created as image bearers in the image and likeness of God. Mm-hmm. 
And it was right there that stewardship was given when we were handed the word of dominion. All right. Tell me more about that. Unpack that for me, please. Double click. All right. We'll, we'll open up that little box and hopefully it isn't Pandora's. Um, <laughs> so when, when we were given dominion over all things, there are some specific um, micro implications right in, this, in the second chapter. We were to, to take care of creation. We were to cultivate it. We were to name the critters. That is a sharing of the dominion God has that he gave to us in which we are acting as stewards. We were Mm. to cultivate the land. We were to name things. Those are all his. We were intended to use everything we have for his fame and the good of everything else created. Getting that understanding as one that has been made in the image and likeness of God, you understand that that was given before coin was ever created. Hmm. So stewardship goes way, way, way past money. Okay. It, it spills into our relationship with him, how we steward it. It spills into our relationship with one another as Adam and Eve were to steward their love relationship for one another in the context of marriage. It has to do with the resources they were entrusted with and all of creation and how it was cared for. Everything was to be used unto the glory of God and the good of everything created. That kind of a vision, you start seeing that the motivation for glorifying God and the use of everything we have, it's real. And what was lost in the garden has been restored on the cross. Hmm. As we're forgiven for our sinful misstewardship, as we experience the removal of the penalty of our misstewardship, when we start experiencing the treasure that we have in Christ because of who he is and all that we get with him, it reshapes our drive for things and therefore our use of things. You know, I don't think I've ever heard anyone I, I talk about, you know, the forgiveness of misstewardship. Uh, I always hear, you know, Jesus the cross, forgiveness of sins. And usually it's like, you know, that thing that I do or that thing that I dwelt on, whatever. But the mishandling of all of the things that God has entrusted to me beyond just money, but just all like the whole life discipleship component um, and all of the opportunities that come with it, the mishandling of that stewardship and then reimagining it or revisioning it as, all right, so all of it has been handed to me to steward unto the Lord for, for his glory, for our good, etc. Man, I... Never heard that. T- tell me more about that, man. So we, we can unpack the downward spiral really quick. I mean, in, in Genesis 3, uh, they had the knowledge of God and his word because he gave it to them. He spoke very directly to Adam and thus Eve got the same message. When they were tempted to doubt God, they misstewarded the revelation God had given of himself. They didn't continue to believe in him for who he was, that he had shown himself to be both through his words and his actions. And they doubted him. And from there, it was all downhill. Once you stop doubting the supremacy and the satisfaction that God is, and by extension what he said, and you start trying to handle the temptation, the sin, and your own strength and creative ideas apart from that, you're already relying on yourself. And she did. She, she made something up that you won't find in Scripture. She added to what God said by saying, we're not supposed to touch it. How do you care for a creation if you can't even touch the stuff you're supposed to be cultivating? That was a lie. She relied on herself. And from there, it continued. And when they were dissatisfied in the situation they were in, they saw the fruit to provide something that they thought God was withholding. They were never intended to eat that. That also was misstewardship. 
You find them putting on fig leaves to deal with the, the shame and the guilt of what they've done. They were never intended to wear vegetation. That was misstewardship. So now we're constantly in this perplexing mode of trying to make what is wrong right by misusing things in ways God never intended. And there's constant misstewardship. And so him coming in and atoning for that and taking away that shame and guilt and the expression of sacrifice of that animal, putting skins on them, brings them the freedom from those things to be able to get a do-over in life with him and thus the things that were given the steward in a different way than they had chosen to in that moment. Wow, man, that's really good. That's really, really good. Listen, pastor, ministry leader, whoever's listening, man, I'm hoping that you are hearing this idea that you get a do-over and that there's an opportunity to handle the mishandling of stewardship, not just your individual stuff, but like the churches that God has entrusted to you and to my leadership, how we steward that and the conversations that we seek to have with our church people, not because we want something from them, but because we want this whole life stewardship for them. Um, This is how the culture is built. It's how the culture begins to take hold. Conversations at the micro level that begin to just kind of develop and it turns into this larger piece um, that that, that helps to facilitate gospel movement, ministry, mission, all of it. Man, that's so good. That's so good, Kurt, man. Thanks for sharing some of those nuggets, brother. I'm like, uh, like I'm, I'm getting more white hair because I'm growing in wisdom right now. Grateful for that, dude. So uh, listen, just a couple of things that I did want to follow up with you on, because we are talking about how churches finance the vision. We've talked about the discipling aspect of how to build and set culture, how to have maybe some initial... Uh, you know, gospel-driven, disciple-making conversations. Um, Florida Baptist Financial does come alongside churches, and ha- and 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 we do offer like practical tools that can help churches to move the the mission forward in a tangible way in terms of funding the vision. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you oversee specifically that sure. might be able to help churches out? Yeah, I would love to do that. You know. It's- as people are, are compelled to give because they keep trusting God to be the God they've already known him to be forevermore, and they give to, say, a campaign, there could still be a gap between what collectively they give and what the church needs to get into a facility. And Florida Baptist Financial Services has a ministry that it uh, operates called the Church Growth Investment Fund, and I love getting to oversee that day in and day out. Um, a large part of that ministry is collecting investments from individuals and churches that want to make a difference with their resources and they invest them with the fund because the fund turns around and makes loans to other florida baptist convention churches so they can better make disciples through facilities those loans often bridge the gap between the monies that are raised by the church and what they need to buy renovate build or refinance a loan for a facility that they need to make disciples in Okay, I just want to make sure that I heard that right, because that was a lot. Um, church Growth Investment Fund takes money from churches or individuals, and then through Florida Baptist Financial Services, lends those monies out to churches so that the church can build or buy or whatever. Um, how do like how do we not lose our investments? It's a good question. People sometimes want to know, yeah, what's up with that? So when individuals and churches choose to invest in the Church Growth Investment Fund, through an offering circular, that's how we make this available, 
we offer to give them a rate of return for the amount of time they want to invest. Those monies are turned on and used to make loans that are secured by first mortgages, occasionally a second mortgage on a property that we're already the first lien holder on, and those churches pay their loans back. Those loans, as they're paid back, the principal and interest come back into the fund. That interest flows back into the investments that the investors have made. So the churches that are paying their loans back are literally funding through the monies that come into the church growth investment fund into the individuals and churches investments a yield that they too can turn around and use for ministry. All right, hold on one second. I just want to clarify this because this sounds like a win, 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 win. Churches get loans and oftentimes banks don't like churches. So they get a loan to be able to move the mission forward, do what they need to do, build, buy, refinance, whatever. They pay the loan back, and then the individuals or the churches that invest their monies into Church Growth Investment Fund see a return on, on their investments. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, they, they not only know that their investment is facilitating gospel-shaped disciples in those facilities, but then they get a yield on their return to go do the same thing themselves because the churches that borrow are paying their loans back. And that is incredible. Is this like a, like a 401k type money or, or what are we talking about? No, predominantly most people invest in this fund with monies that they have for shorter term purposes of up to seven years. Uh, so we like to call it a great cash management option. We do have the ability to hold IRAs, um, but that is probably best suited for people that are much later in life and need fixed income. So most people are putting money in here that they have sitting at a bank or a credit union that's not having the same kingdom impact and not getting close to the same return for themselves. Yeah, so a, a traditional bank right now is paying like 0.02 or something like that interest. Yeah, something like that. Some of them have been getting a little better lately with the Fed increases, but they're still not anywhere close to what people would like to see. All right, so if I have money sitting in a savings account making next to nothing, for me, I'm sure the bank's making a bunch of interest off of my money, but they're not sharing any of it. Uh, what, what Church Growth Investment Fund, what, what are the rates looking like these days? Between, is it like half a percent? Like, what, what, are, we, what are we talking? Yeah, Dave, we're, we're doing quite a bit better than that for, for folks and churches that are investing. Right now, uh, if you have up to $100,000, the yield on a demand certificate, which means basically like what the word demand means, you can have it back when you want it back. There's no time commitment. It's yielding 1.35%. And if you have more than 100,000 in that particular investment, all of it from dollar one on is yielding 1.45%. Okay. But I don't have 100 grand, man. It's like I don't know that a whole lot of people have a hundred grand. You can like get I, in on making a difference and getting a good yield with as little as a thousand dollars, Dave. <laughs> okay. So if I have, like, if I'm a pastor and I've got, you know, money in, in savings, or if I'm a board member and let's say we've got, you know, hurricane seasons coming soon. So we, we've got our money there just in case we got to pay a deductible to, to, to initiate relief from our insurance. It's sitting in our bank accounts or savings accounts doing hardly nothing. We can move that money into Church Growth Investment Fund? We would love for you to do that. Yes. Okay, so that what about like me as an individual? Because like, man, I've got money. Like I live in Miami. I'm trying to save for a house. Right now it feels like I'm going to save for like 40 more years before I can put a down payment on anything. So I've got money sitting in my savings account doing next to nothing. It can, is the same thing true for me? Just as true. Okay, so 
So how do we get a hold of you, Kurt Lenhoff? Like, what do we need to do to get this thing started? So there's several ways to get started. Number one, again, just to remind everybody, we, we, we make this available via an offering circular and only via an offering circular, which is basically, it's a document that tells you who we are, what we do, why we do it, and it has all the financial information to support it, including our most recent audit. You want that. So you can either go to our website, which is floridabaptist.org, go to the Church Growth Investment Fund tab and click on that, and then choose to look over the fund, or you can click directly on the page where there's forms and applications. You can access the circular there. You can also see the application that you would want to fill out. Then you're welcome to call the office and we'll help you with the next steps. It's very simple and very quick. All right, so let me ask, because I heard you say, you know, the Church Growth Investment Fund, it's, it's tied to loans in real assets like buildings, land, et cetera. So it's not attached to the market per se. So market goes up or down, it doesn't really impact Church Growth Investment Fund. How big is the fund today? Today it's a little over 200 million. Okay, so it's not like a, like a startup mom and pop shop type of deal, like it's a legit thing. How long has Church Growth Investment Fund been around? Over 30 years. Okay, so it's not like it's just kind of starting. So th th there's history here, right? It's been there building. Is. There's a lot of history with God's people and they're choosing to be a part of this over the last three decades. Okay, so let me ask you this. If I'm an executive pastor listening to this, a church administrator, maybe I sit on a board or I'm a senior pastor um, and I'm like, man, we've got some resources. We need to move them because they're furthering the bank's mission but not the gospel. And we can further the gospel by blessing other churches and see a greater rate of return. Uh, we need to figure out how to move this, but I, I got to get people on board. I, like, I don't have the final decision-making power to make this happen. Are you available to meet with people like uh, through phone calls, Zoom calls, one-on-one -on -one to talk about the details of these things? Yes, definitely. I would say, hey, give me a call. Uh, give me an email. Let's start there, and uh, wherever you are in the state, I may even have somebody right there near you that I can connect you with to help you take the next steps. We would love to help you explore this and figure out how good it can be for you. That's a good word because we have reps now in the north part of the state that go panhandle to the northeast. We've got folks in the center that go coast to coast, and then we've got folks in the south that go from the lake down to the Keys. So there is a Florida Baptist Financial Services rep that can help you with Church Growth Investment Fund probably within a couple hours drive at worst case scenario. Um, I, I know you said get a hold of you. Just for those of you listening, listen, easiest way to get a hold of anybody at Church Growth Investment Fund is just to, to call the number. It's 1-800-780-0325. Uh, again, 1-800-780-0325. And that'll get you to the office. They'll transfer you to Kurt and we can start fielding those kinds of conversations. Man, that's really, really encouraging, man. Uh, a lot of like special secrets of, oh my gosh, where have you been? And I think if I'm a pastor or an executive pastor, it's like, man, we got to get in on this sooner than later. So man, really excited. Really, really excited. Thanks for joining us. Listen, before we wrap up today, I want to do a little rapid fire action. I'm just going to throw some questions out there. I just want you to answer quickly and honestly. Uh, this is a fun part and a fun way to finish. So Kurt, give it up, man. Favorite TV show is what? Ooh, that's tough. Um, gosh, there's a bunch that are coming to mind, but none that I can get clear on right away. No, nah, man, you got to give me one answer. Just give me one answer. All right, one answer. Um, Vikings. Vikings, there you go. If you could be any animal, what? which animal would you be? Black Panther. Oof. Weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Hmm. 
Boy, I don't know, man. Um, snails. Snails. I don't even want to know why. Okay, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, if you grew up with a nickname, what nickname did you have? Special K. Special K. I love it. And in case you're wondering, this guy's like six foot four, tall, slim. He can dunk on anybody. Special K, indeed. Listen, that's our time for today, family and friends. We're so grateful that you guys have chosen to be with us at the Stewardship uh, Simplified Podcast. Kurt, um, for folks who want to get a hold of you, again, if I'm not mistaken, the number here is 1-800-780-0325. Is that right? Yes, sir. Man, Kurt Lenhoff, Director of Church Financing, great to have you with us today. Man, thanks again for being with us, and we'll see you guys next time. Stewardship Simplified podcast is provided for general information purposes only and does not offer or constitute personalized financial, investment, tax, or legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from a tax, financial, or legal professional. Mentions of the Church Growth Investment Fund are not an offer to sell nor a solicitation of an offer to buy securities of the Church Growth Investment Fund. Any solicitation of an offer to buy or sell is made solely through and by CJF's offering circular, which you should read carefully before making an investment decision. Offer and sales of these securities will be made only through representatives of the Church Growth Investment Fund. CGIF securities are subject to certain risk factors as described in the offering circular.